Thanks for tuning in to Organic Matters. To begin this part of the show, I'm going to, my, I'm going to call it my nature corner. I change the name all the time. But I, fa- I came across a study that was, well, I've actually been interested in for years, but never really saw a, what I would call a controlled study. How roads affect the world's most vulnerable animals. One of the reasons animals lose habitat is because we build roads into their territories. Key for infrastructure in order to move people and supplies, roads can be deadly for the wildlife that surround them. A new study has identified four animal species that are the most likely to go extinct in the next 50 years if the same road kill rates continue. Researchers pinpointed, for instance, the leopard of northern India, the maned wolf and the little spotted cat of Brazil, and the brown hyena in southern Africa. And then I did include into this study I found on our side in North America the effects on brown and black bears. The results I'm using were actually published in the journal Global Ecology and Biogeography. Research has shown that roads are just another threat for many, many species across across the world, but especially even across our nation. If species are already threatened by habitat loss and poaching, roads can make these species more vulnerable to extinction. In the beginning, there was like doubt about which species are more impacted by roadkill. The ones with high roadkill rates, or is it the ones that are really already threatened? For this study, researchers estimated the average proportion of terrestrial mammal populations killed annually on roads in sort of a three-step process. First, they collected roadkill data on near-threatened to critically endangered mammal species in North America, Central and South America, Europe, Africa, Asia, and Oceania. They then calculated increased extinction risk due to road kills by taking into account information such as road kill rates and population density, as well as traits like age of sexual maturity and litter size. Using these models, they created global road kill vulnerability maps. They found that the leopard in North India has an 83% increased risk of extinction extinction just from roadkill. Another study showed the main wolf, main wolf is in Brazil folks, stands at about 34% of increased risk just because of new roads that have been cut through. And the little spotted cat, it's a little tiny thing from Brazil, I think it's one of the smallest wild cats, uh, had an increased extinction rate, listen to this, up to almost 75%. The findings also revealed that deaths on the road are at a risk of about eh, 3% of terrestrial mammals. Unfortunately, that includes about 83 species that are threatened or near threatened. The researchers were able to identify areas of concern with species vulnerable to road deaths that have a high density of roads in parts of, for instance, South Africa, Central and Southeast Asia, and of all places, I was kind of surprised, in the Andes. The researchers also looked into information about litter size and age of maturity. Because some traits, such as large litters and early age of sexual maturity, can help species rebound from the cost of roadkill deaths. Kind of taking a look uh, on what I call our side of the pond. 
Animals like brown and black bears that have small litters and an older maturity age, road deaths can have a really large toll on their overall populations. Using what they call a phylogenic model, they predicted which species are more vulnerable to roadkill and found that brown and black bears are particularly vulnerable. If there is at least 20% of the population road killed, it can increase by at least 10% the risk of local extinction of both brown and black bears. In Florida, for instance, vehicle collisions are responsible for 90%, listen to this, 90% of the known bear deaths in the whole state. That's according to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. So basically, almost all bear deaths that are not natural are caused by roads, and of course that includes automobiles. The researchers said they certainly weren't totally surprised by their findings. Quote, we are not completely surprised with the fact that species with low roadkill rates can actually be more endangered than species with higher roadkill rates. In general, the most abundant species can compensate for the loss of their individuals because they have a high reproduction rate. We were somehow surprised, though, by the number of species at risk and the number of species vulnerable if exposed to road traffic. Of the four species they were most talking about, they didn't necessarily have the highest mortality rate on the roads. Even though these populations have relatively low roadkill rates, the abundance was also low. Thus, the impact on the population ends up being pretty high. Researchers say their findings are important and can be used to protect many species. From the point of view of conversation, we should look not only at the number of roadkill, but also what proportion of that population is roadkilled. Thus, we should take into account the population density. If we just look at the number of roadkill, we may protect abundant species and not the ones that are more impacted by roadkill. There are things we can do. For instance, I saw an area out when I was west last year. They had fenced, literally, many, many miles of road and then put what I would call walk-unders under the roads so the animals didn't have to get on the road to go from one territory to another. It worked for small to medium-sized mammals. And importantly, since this is my nerd thing that I'm into, they had a lot of cross-unders for an endangered tortoise there, the, the American desert tortoise, and claim it is, has really, really um, increased their chances of survival by having them not have to cross public highways. One other project I, I heard about, I have not seen it, I want to go see it, is particular kinds of, uh, I want to say, fencing or netting have been put up along roads along the coast in the state of Texas to protect, of all things, there's flights of pelicans, that for reasons I'm not sure I've been told why yet, want to land and be on the highways right along the coast and many of them were getting hit by cars. So they established a netting system that kind of, if not prevented, at least discouraged these birds from getting on the main highways. So we can do things to help. It may sound little here and there, but if it's in concentrated areas where hundreds of animals are actually uh, 
having roadkill problems, then we certainly can do something to, to kind of lower the stress, at least on that particular species. On a couple of my previous shows, I've given the Ford Motor Company a good kick, at least. They're, they're really making extra effort extraordinary efforts at getting into the EV, electric vehicle market. But there's also a number of other car manufacturers working at it. For instance, Nissan recently introduced its second electric vehicle called the Araya, but is not stopping there. The Japanese automotive giant unveiled a new, listen to this, $17 billion plan, which they named the Nissan Ambition 2030 which will see the automaker introduce 23 electric models in the next several years. Of those 23, 15 will be fully electric vehicles, probably with a range on each charge of at least 300 miles. Nissan also has an even bigger goal to achieve carbon neutral status for the whole whole company by the next 15 or 20 years. And as a part of their ambitious goal, they're planning 23 new electric vehicles by 2030. Over the next five years alone, though, this automaker is going to introduce 20 new EV and e-power equipped models. In addition to the lineup of new EVs, Nissan is also using part of the investment to develop a new solid-state battery, which Nissan says will be ready for production in the next few years. Nissan expects the new solid-state batteries to bring the cost of battery packs down to $75 per kilowatt, actually half of what it is now, which will then eventually be reduced to just $65 in a few years after that. Nissan is also working on evolving its lithium-ion batteries and introducing cobalt-free technology. It's part of the problem of the industry, folks. To bring the cost of its lithium-ion batteries down by over 65% also in the next five years. To prepare for the new EVs, Nissan plans to increase its global battery production capacity to 52 gigawatts, folks, that's a lot, by the year 2025, and 130 gigawatts by 2030. More batteries, incidentally, are not necessarily good for the environment. So to combat this, Nissan plans to ensure the batteries remain sustainable by increasing its battery refurbishing facilities, which it already uses in a number of other countries, including Japan. Here in the United States, for instance, by the year 2025. And lastly, Nissan also plans to invest heavily in charging infrastructure and new what they call EV360 production facilities, which incidentally is already up and running in Europe. Thanks to the new electrified models, Nissan has a goal of EVs and hybrid models accounting for 50% of its global sales by the year 2030, which also includes Infiniti, which is a very nice car, incidentally, for the U.S. market. Nissan is targeting 40% of its sales to be electrified vehicles by 2030. And in Europe, in that same time period, their goal is to have 75% of all the cars they sell in Europe to be totally electrically driven. And as a final quote from Nissan in general, quote, with our new ambition, we continue to take the lead in accelerating the natural shift to EVs by creating customer pull-through, an attractive proposition by driving excitement, enabling adoption, and creating a cleaner world and a more dependable car. 
So Nissan, of course, Tesla. I'm proud of Ford. GM is certainly getting in the running. It's it's switching, and it's when it starts, and it really has started, folks. It's going to be faster than you might imagine. You're going to see this really in the next three to five years make tremendous strides into electric vehicles and away from fossil fuel, petroleum. It's going to be a, it's it's going to be tough on us. I mean, we depend a lot on the petroleum business, but they've got to get out of it. And the way to get out of it is to get into the EV business, to get into clean electricity. And all these big companies are more than able to do it. They just have to make that jump. Thanks for staying tuned. Organic Man.